Next on BYUSN, another big football transfer headed to Provo, literally. Has the new assignee just solidified the deepest BYU football position group? And would you take a 6-6 six and six BYU football season if it meant one of those wins was a really big one? Oh, there are loaded questions. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Friday, April 21st. This is how we do it. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, alongside our resident Friday party planner, Jerem Jordan. The party is my wife's going out of town, so uh, dad duty at its fullest this weekend. The main plan is to watch episodes four, five, and six of uh, Star Wars, so that's what we got going on. In addition to Little League, soccer, and let's say we got t-ball and we got basketball coming up tomorrow, but yeah, it should be a fun weekend. That is, that is quite the party. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll party. Mom, <laughs> mom's at a cousin's wedding, and we're going to watch Star Wars. Popcorn and, and Star do Wars. sports. Sports. I have unlimited popcorn at my house, by the way. Always popcorn. Love popcorn. We got some popcorn for you on the show. I don't know if it's going to be popping. That's the band's job uh, in the fourth quarter at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the fall. On today's show, as mentioned, BYU signs a Big 12 offensive line starter. Who it is and what kind of impact he could have right away. 24-7 Sports projects a 6-6 six and six record with a notable win. Would we take it right now? ESPN's Jordan Reed. Dude knows what he's talking about with the NFL draft. We ask him about BYU's top four prospects. Where does he have them going? What kind of fits with teams does he like? And Captain Ben Austin from the men's rugby team joins us in studio ahead of the national semifinal against rival Cal coming oh, up tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Here are today's headlines. Let's start with Caleb Etienne, who has officially signed with BYU football. 6'8", 325 pounds out of Nolens, Louisiana. Started all 13 games for Oklahoma State last year. Two years of eligibility remaining. And by the way, he was a top two junior college tackle in 2021. Three seed men's volleyball loses to two seed and hosts Stanford 15-12 in the fifth set last night. Hitting a season low 149 in the MPSF semifinals. The Cougars led 13-7 in the third set, lost, trailed 5-0 in the fifth. Tough to come back from that. Cougars are 19-7 overall, hoping to get one of those two at-large bids to the NCAA tournament. The selection show is Sunday at 1 Eastern on NCAA.com. BYU baseball and all of the BYU Sports Nation karma. Score 14 runs last night, but this time they win, Jerem. Yeah! 14 <laughs> they, every game! They beat UNC Greensboro 14-8. Cole Gamble, guest on the show yesterday, had not one but two home runs. Six runs batted in. Second game of a three-game set today at Miller Park, 8 Eastern. You can listen, watch on the BYU TV and radio app. Series wraps tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. Women's golf's in the WCC Championships in Bremerton, Washington at Olympic Golf Course. BYU currently five under, holds a seven-stroke lead over second place Pepperdine, who's ranked 17th. Alicia May Mateo and Anik Hutchkovich lead the tournament at three under. Lila Naliai joins them at one under in the top four. Day two of three is today. BYU men's golf hosting their 58th Ping Cougar Classic. Teeing off essentially at the same time our show started about three minutes ago. Carson Lundell won the individual title and BYU won the team title last year. Wild run through that. BYU as a team currently even, not surprisingly. Again, they're about uh, three minutes into this thing. Track and field, uh, day two uh, was yesterday. Day three continues today as they host the Robson Invitational. Dallin Vorkink was the only Cougar to participate in the decathlon, finished seventh. Personal best in the 100 hurdles in discus. Day three begins at 1 Eastern. 
Men's rugby in the national semifinals take on Cal tomorrow. Live on the two rugby, oh actually sorry, my, I'm jumping, I'm jumping things here. Women's tennis and men's tennis play Pacific today. Women's matches begin at three Eastern, the men's matches begin at one Eastern. Now on the rugby. They play Cal tomorrow on the D1A national semifinals live on the rugby network. There's a website and, or, and an app that you can watch on the rugby network. Cougars beat Cal two weeks ago, 50-14. In Provo, but the Golden Bears sent kind of a split AB squad there. It'll be the full A squad for Cal. Uh, this is a rivalry dating back to 2005 when they first met in the National Championship Games once they moved him from Sunday and BYU could play. We'll talk to the captain, Ben Austin, later in the program. Michael Rucker pitched one inning for the Cubs. This is becoming an off occurrence for him. Gave up one hit, had one strikeout. His team lost to the Dodgers. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. And what's Centers once again on BYU football, specifically Caleb Etienne, a massive offensive lineman, uh, transfer and literal human being at a left tackle uh, at Oklahoma State. Started all 13 games for the Cowboys last year, Jerem. 6'8", 325 pounds. Yep. There's some controversy surrounding him because Mike Gundy, his head coach, alluded to, well, he felt like he lost his starting job, so he just essentially kind of quit on the team and left. Feels like that's not alluding. Feels like that's just stating, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, he didn't say that directly, which is why I used He didn't say he felt like he lost his job and left. Yeah. He didn't say up. he quit on the team is what I'm saying, oh, gotcha. but it felt like that. Yeah. It felt if like that. If you lose your starting job and you leave, uh, that could be the Okay, for sure. So that there is a perception there. But yeah. he comes to Provo and adds to an already what we think is strong offensive line. So does the addition of Caleb Etienne now make the offensive line group the strongest, and what does he bring to the offensive line? I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the strongest. It might be. Certainly provides some depth. I want to talk about him for a second. So he had 1,002 snaps last year on offense, which is awesome. So just great experience. The starting left tackle at Oklahoma games. State. Didn't have a great PFF grade, 51.0. Topped out at 69.7 against Wisconsin and TCU. So did well in two big games. Pass block 76.0 plus in five games. So you, you see the opportunity there. He was the number two JC tackle coming out in 2021. Um, he's going to compete for time at right tackle. Perhaps he's the starter. Braden Kime certainly feeling like he could be the starter as well. So there'll be a good competition at that right tackle spot, I would think. Um, two years of eligibility, which is great. Also some insight into Oklahoma State, which is a regular season finale coming up in late November. So I, I really like the ad. It's another Power 5 transfer. It's not a guy who was a backup who is hoping to maybe crack the lineup. This is a guy who started all 13 games yeah. for Oklahoma State. Obviously, he can't teach 6'8", but BYU loves its tackles at 6'8". Uh, ask Blake Freeland and others, Braden Kime, and so on and so forth. So th this is an awesome get. I really like this. I love the, the depth, as you mentioned, uh, on offensive line specifically. Kingsley Suamati at left tackle. Let's just put in Paul Miley, perhaps, at left guard. Connor Pay at center. Perhaps Waylon Lapuahu at right guard or switch at left guard, whatever. Maybe Caleb Etienne is the starting right tackle. That's great because he brought in Ian Fitzgerald from Missouri State. You have Peter Falanaiko, Tyler Little, Lee Salatai, and others competing for backup spots. You need depth of that position. And we've seen the last couple of years, BYU's had excellent offensive lines. They've had really good uh, offenses the last couple of seasons as well. That's not a coincidence. BYU's always going to have a capable quarterback and running back. It's whether they can pass block and run block for these guys and give them a chance. And now you're going to have the biggest challenge that any offensive line from BYU has ever had, which is, 
Okay, now you're playing big boy football in a Power 5 conference as a member, and BYU needs this position specifically to be better than it ever has been to give yourself a shot to be interesting. This first year, we're, we're laying low, we're saying make a bowl game, but in the future, if you're actually going to win a, com- a conference championship, O-line's got to be awesome. Now, what's interesting is I know his grades are low, but Oklahoma State had one of their, and this is from a couple of Oklahoma State sources, okay, looking at their essentially Barstool Sports. Well, they had not Barstool Sports, but uh, 24, I need O-line grab. 20, I go to Barstool. 24-7 Sports, their account. Okay, Sports <laughs> yeah. Illustrated edition of Oklahoma State as well. They all said concurrently that Oklahoma State has basically they're one of the worst offensive lines as a whole in the last 20 years. So how much does his individual score or how much was it impacted by what those around him did or did not do? Like, I would think you could still score high because when you're the Can left you? tackle, you are one-on-one. I mean, what does the right guard have to do with you in that Well, regard? if you do your assignment and somebody comes on a blitz like – what I'm saying is, and I've told was told this by Daryl Funk, BYU's offensive line coach, is you got to be careful with those because some like it's not all about the individual. It feels like that, but he's like it's not necessarily because PFF doesn't know specifically what our our individual assignments might be. They think they know, but if they don't know, like they could see something and be like, oh, he made the mistake. Like let's but, dock him on but that. But 51 is enough to go. Okay, there's certainly some room for not, growth. Not there. saying that. Like there's certainly growth. It's so hard like, to argue that anybody, this dude's a first-team All-American with a 51 did grade. Did anybody on that offensive line have a good PFF grade? And the answer is no. Like so, there, there's something there. It just wasn't good for Oklahoma State. So I, I bring that up because Therefore what? I feel like it. Like we can't put a hundred, like all of the stock into. Well, he's he's fifty-one. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't put like, all stock into any number. Like you put like, him on BYU's offensive line last year, his number is going to be higher. He's not starting at BYU probably last year. His number you know will be I mean? higher. Like, Harris Lachance is, is good enough to be the right tackle. You you put him on BYU's offensive line this year, his numbers are going to be better because I feel like he's into a better scheme, a, uh, a more tenured coaching staff and situation, and yeah, BYU's had nice offensive lines the past few years. So. I don't, yeah, what I want to do is I just want to be fair to the situation. Like, while his grade was not good, like, totally get it. And I want to be fair in bringing it up. We can't just sure, ignore it. Sure, like, I'm glad just, you did. Just because it's inconvenient. But I'm going to, that's not inconvenient. I'm just defending no, it. it is inconvenient because it's low. So we want to be like, well, but don't worry about that. Oh, I'm not saying not it's worry like, about it. We should worry about everything and nothing at the same time. Yeah. Okay, so the 51, yeah, totally get it. Yeah. But his offensive line around him was so bad. And the pro football focus, while they do a great job, Daryl Funk said, you, you just, sometimes you just don't know. Like, they think they know what the assignment is, but they don't really know. And so some guys get docked where other guys actually were doing their assignment. Yeah, and I don't read into if he was 100, he'd be in the NFL draft. Uh, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's all good. Like, it, yes, metrics are something, but they're not everything. Yeah, you, you have to take into account everything. Sure. But um, let's say this guy did get beat out at left tackle, and therefore he left. I don't care. He's at BYU now. I don't freaking care what uh, Oklahoma State's doing at left tackle. I worry about BYU, right? And hopefully BYU can win that matchup against their defensive end um, on the left side against him at right tackle, perhaps. I I love the move. I'm excited about it. Also, just because you may not put up big numbers at another school doesn't mean you can't thrive here. See Alex Barcelo as a guy that averaged like two points a game. Then he's perhaps the greatest shooter in BYU history. I mean... Uh, the hope is that you can get into BYU system, great coaching, great online culture, 
and boom, maybe you become a draft pick uh, in a year or two. So I I'm excited like about Caleb I feel like he has draft Etienne. prospect potential because of just, what he did before he got to Oklahoma State. Yeah, and his, just based on 6'8", 325, BYU's lines of producing. Yes, and now yeah. the scenario where he's, like, he's yep. adding to a group that has been sending regularly guys to the NFL. It's going to be three straight left tackles that are going to be high-level NFL draft picks. Like That's a good deal. And Caleb. he might be the starting left tackle in a year. Who knows? Could be. After you started 13 games. Might be the next guy. Albeit we'll with bad PFF grades, but we'll still for a we'll power five program. Yeah. This is, I like this because now I feel like the offensive line is probably the deepest position group on this BYU football team. All right. Let's take a look at today's topic, too. All right, 24-7 Sports projects BYU football to go 6-6. Six and six. One of those wins is Oklahoma. Okay. Feels weird to go 6-6 six six, but still beat Oklahoma. Would you take that right now? Would you take that right now? No. You I want to play it out? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, no, I said yesterday, like, I believe this BYU football team is capable and should win seven games in the, regu- in the regular season. They should win seven of the 12 games. So just switch one of those. I am buying the defensive staff led by Jay Hill heavily that they will be <clears throat> so much better and they were so statistically speaking not good last year that a significant jump 30 or 40 spots in you choose the metric in football power index and sp plus if byu goes from the 90s up around to 60 or 50 they should win seven games i know it's big 12 teams throw it around shootouts byu got into some shootouts last year if their defense can make one or two more stops, they win that shootout against Arkansas. You know, they, they don't get into a terrible scenario like they did against Liberty. If the defense can be 30 spots better in an overall metric. So I, I think 7-5, I, I, 6-6, not good. Like, I know that a win over Oklahoma on senior night to clinch bowl eligibility would be super nice and emotional and fun. But no, 6-6, six and six, I just cannot sign up and be like, yeah, let's do it. Year one of the Big 12. No. Can't do it. I think this team's good enough and should win seven games. There's no guarantee BYU gets to a bowl game. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, and certainly there's some talent on this BYU team. It's less about BYU and it's more about just like, how tough is this going to be? We don't know the, that answer. Like, nor do we really know how good BYU is. We're going to play it out. We have an idea. We have to talk every day about it. We love it. But, um, the, yeah, this is what they project, okay? So uh, they go loss at, Arkans- uh, at Kansas and Arkansas. Um, so yeah, BYU uh, starting what three and three at this point, and then yeah, three and three in the back. So yeah, um, yeah. The, listen, we're hoping it's like one game better than this, which is probably what at Kansas win. The Oklahoma win, hey, that'd be great. It's kind of like pick your poison. You either lo- would you rather lose at Kansas and beat Oklahoma, or win at Kansas and lose to Oklahoma? I would rather beat Oklahoma. Like I would rather have that scenario than probably the one that we played out. Because the good wins override the, the mediocre losses. Kansas, not a bad loss anymore. That would have been a terrible loss like a year ago when we were having this conversation. Of course, we want to play it out because we want to just see uh, it happen. It's not a video game simulation. Also, it's April 21st. It's all good. Um, it, it, yeah, let's see what BYU does in this. Uh, a win over Oklahoma would be the, the best win of the season by far, regardless of what Oklahoma does. Even if Oklahoma was 4-8, and eight, we would still say that was the best win. 
I think BYU needs to be and will be 6-4 and four going into the last two games against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. With a shot, I think a pretty good shot to win one of those two games. What do they have left? Attrition and injuries have always been such a huge deal for BYU, especially in independence. Like when you get to the end of the season, it's like, well, who's available? Is anybody healthy? Like, is the quarterback still healthy? Like, those are things definitely to watch. But I feel like BYU should be to feel comfortable at getting to 7 wins, 6 and 4 by the time they take on Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. Bowl eligibility is the baseline metric for success. We'll never say on this program, you know what? We expect five and seven. No. It, it'll never be a thing we There's say. There's too much pride if we within do, the BYU pull, football program. Pull the show. Too much pride <laughs> in the history of, of football. And, and I, the coaching staff's too good. The, play, the talent's too high. I'm telling you, I'm buying the staff. ever expect that. That doesn't mean BYU will never do it, okay? Because we did not see four and nine coming in 2017, right? That happens. But also, sometimes you need the forest to burn down to, to find success. You really do. Like, BYU basketball has had waves of this where they struggled, and then, hey, the next year or next couple years, boom, this real resurrection of the program. We've saw, seen it in basketball and football within the last seven years. So, um, you know, perhaps in the future there's a season like that. But also, we're hoping that BYU starts to compete for a Big 12 title within, who knows, the first five, ten years. Like, Utah did it in year 11 won the league, like hopefully BYU is in a position at some point to where we go, hey, BYU could win the league this year. Let's go. Our or you just surprise them like TCU. We'd take it either way. Our question of the day, 24-7 sports projecting BYU football to win six games, including a victory on senior night, November 18th against Oklahoma. Would you take six and six with that victory over Oklahoma right now, or are you opting to play it out and roll the dice? I'm interested to hear what people have to say. Jim Roberts, MN on Twitter says, in a heartbeat. There you go. This one goal, the one goal BYU has for this team in year one is bowl eligibility. He says we, as in the fan base. This accomplishes that and gives BYU a signature win in the bargain, undefeated against the Sooners, 2-0 all-time going into this game. It would be 3-0. Take that, Barry Switzer. Some 84 trash talk right there. Yeah, continue to weigh in. I'm interested in hearing what people have to say. Hey, if you miss any uh, interview shows, games, deep blues, whatnot, find them on BYUSN.com or download the BYU TV app to get all the content on demand. ESPN's Jordan Reed has been watching the big three NFL draft prospects out of BYU very closely and some others. We get his update and projected rounds for all of them next on BYU Sports Nation. All with time. Welcome back to Studio B on a Friday. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Earlier this week, we had an opportunity to speak with ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed about BYU's top hopefuls, specifically Blake Freeland, Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and some guys on the fringe like Caleb Hayes. Where does he have all of them going in his mock draft, and what are the best fits? Here's our conversation with ESPN's Jordan Reed. All right, Jordan, we're going to tackle the big three that we're calling them from BYU, starting with their quarterback, Jaron Hall. As currently constituted, following what he did at the Combine and his BYU Pro Day, is Jaron Hall's stock up or down? 
I think it's pretty much the same, depending on who you talk to in the league. Right now, there really isn't a consensus on Jaron Hall. There's some teams that like him. There's some teams that felt he struggled a little bit during the pre-draft process, and then it came out that he had a little bit of an ankle injury at the Senior Bowl and then during the pre-draft process too. But as far as everything that he brings to the table, he has all of the traits that you're looking for from an arm strength perspective, even though he is a little bit undersized at right at six foot, 205 pounds. Uh, I think he has a very sturdy frame. Um, some of the comparisons that I've seen for him from a build standpoint, it's just Russell Wilson. That's kind of the stature that he has in the game that he tries to resemble too. So mixed opinions right now, but if I had to guess probably the fifth round, I think that's the sweet spot of where he could end up going right now. Where's where's the high end for him and maybe the, perhaps the low end in your opinion with the fifth round uh, probably being the average, it sounds like. Um, I mean, he could go at the beginning of the fifth round. He could go in the seventh round, too. It just depends on who you talk to. But everybody is in agreement as far as him throwing the football. Uh, he's a very gifted thrower. We saw that over his last two seasons. Uh, he can make all the throws that you want. He's very accurate. Um, it's just some factors that some teams are taking to the equation, whether it's durability, um, the development kind of lacking over his last season, and then the age. You have to factor, factor that into with him being a 25-year-old rookie. So, like I said, it just depends on who you talk to and which team. But as far as the traits, everybody likes how he throws the football. Now, typically a fifth-round grade would suggest that, yeah, he's going to go in as a backup. He's going to learn behind a veteran and kind of implement himself into the league that way. So with that in mind, where is the best fit for Jaron Hall right now if there are a team or two out there that you feel like he would really mesh well with? I like his fit in New Orleans, honestly, with the Saints, with Derek Carr being there, as well as Jameis Winston. It's an area where he's not forced into action right away. He can sit, he can develop behind two players that have had success in the NFL. And then him being a serviceable number two, eventually with Jameis being on the one-year deal entering next season, I think that's a comfortable place for him. They have plenty of weapons there in New Orleans. So I really like his fit in New Orleans with the Saints. That'd be fun with uh, the BYU-Taysom Hill connection as well. And Taysom going, now wait a minute, I'm a quarterback too. What are you doing here? No, that'd be fun. The Colts worked <laughs> Jaron out uh, apparently multiple times. The Colts, you'd think at four, are going to take a quarterback, right? Why would they work out Jaron Hall unless they were going to take maybe two rookie quarterbacks in the draft, which seems like it might be weird. It's been done before. Yeah, I think you're spot on as far as the possibility or the reason why they will work out Jaron Hall. They may not take a quarterback early on and they may wait later on in the draft. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but it also could be a RG3 or Kirk Cousins situation of where they want to double up mm -hmm. on quarterbacks. And we saw what happened in the NFC Championship game last year with the San Francisco 49ers. So I think we could get a record number of quarterbacks selected in this draft just because it's a situation or a position that's so important and you can never have too many of them. So it could be a situation of where the Colts want to double up at quarterback and they see Hall being a very good fit in their offense. Jordan Reed is an ESPN NFL draft analyst. I would like to shift attention now to what we believe is going to be the highest draft pick out of BYU, and that is of tackle Blake Freeland. Now, I've seen everywhere from late second round sliding into early fourth round, but what's the projected grade on Blake Freeland? And I'll ask you the same question about Blake. Is his stock up or down? Uh, it's way up, especially after the NFL scouting combine where he tested through the roof. And he's one player that has a significant amount of buzz right now. I had him projected in the second round in my latest seventh round mock draft to the New England Patriots. They need a lot of help at offensive tackle, so I think that would be a really good landing spot for him. 
and some player comparisons that I've gotten back when asking for feedback from NFL scouts, two names that have been constant with him. And the first one is Samuel Cosme of Texas, who was a second round pick. And then also Brian O'Neill of the Minnesota Vikings, two very good athletic specimens that were a little bit raw coming out, but they had the athleticism and just being natural pass protectors. That is something that a lot of teams feel comfortable with, with Freeland. And if you think about their size, they they are very similar in stature too. Certainly his athleticism unquestioned after what he did in the combine. What are the questions about him at this point? Just his consistency with his run blocking and then just consistency overall. We know he's able to, he's going to be able to come through the door right away as a rookie and be consistent as a pass protector. But there's some things that he needs to clean up in the run game aspect. Him being a bigger guy, it's always harder for him to bend at the point of attack. So just consistently bending, improving that flexibility, and then just his overall consistency as a run blocker, I think those are the biggest areas that he needs to clean up. But if he's able to clean up those areas, we're talking about a starter maybe into his second season. How much did Blake Freeland really help himself at the NFL Combine, just from a round perspective? Like, did he get two rounds better? Was it one round, ten spots? What do you think? Well, in the NFL draft scouting community, with these testing numbers, we call them cluster busters. So with him testing more favorably or better than some of his other counterparts that teams might have had stacked similarly on their board, they may push him up a round or two just because of how he tested. And you always get teams that fall in love with these athletes, especially at offensive tackle, just because defensive ends and these edge rushers, they're so physically gifted as far as coming off of the edge. You want to have some speedy or athletic players that you can coach up. Yes, he needs to gain a little bit of weight. Yes, he needs to improve as a run blocker, but it's really hard to teach a offensive tackle to pass protect. Those are types of that technique and those mechanics of doing that. It takes years to coach. So if you get a player that's already naturally gifted in that aspect, walking through the door and you can coach up and you can mold some of those other traits around that, that's what really makes Freeland so enticing. Cluster busters were like honey bunches of oats as a kid, but that's a different subject. Um, okay, what what other teams do you fe- feel might be a good fit for Blake? The San Francisco 49ers, I think with their need at right tackle. Yes, I know Freeland played predominantly left tackle while he was at BYU, but they need a replacement for Mike McGlinchey at that right tackle spot. And they have three picks at the back end of the third round. So I'm not even sure Freeland would be there for them to select, but let's just... Let's just use our imagination here a little bit and let's just just say that he's on the board for them at the back end of the third round. I think he would be a really good pick, and I think he could start day one for them at that right tackle spot. ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed is on BYU Sports Nation. Let's transition to the third of the big three, and that is kind of an anomaly. Wide receiver Puka Nakua, who has dealt with some injuries, but when he's been on the field for BYU, he was an incredible playmaker. So, where do you have Puka Nakua going and uh, as currently constituted a projection in this year's NFL draft? He's that fringe fifth or sixth round pick right now. And he was one player that I was blown away by at the senior bowl. I thought of any player he had the most impressive first day, but he suffered an injury after that. So we didn't get to see him following that point. But I thought he helped himself a lot during that first day of the senior bowl. Very sure hands, really good route running, very explosive And I just love his after-the-catch process as far as what he can do. And he's one of those players that can satisfy a lot of roles. He can play slot. He can play outside. And you know he's going to be a mainstay on special teams, too. And when you're talking about those late-round players, especially at those skill positions like wide receiver, running back, and some others, they have to play special teams. And that's something that Nakua has been able to do. So I think he's going to translate really well, probably 
he's going to go somewhere in that fifth or sixth round on day three. And certainly his numbers maybe weren't as good as what he looks like on film. How do you sort of justify that from a how a player could be perspective? Because the numbers are what they are. But he almost looks like he's faster on the field than what he did in the 40. Yeah, he plays much faster. And that's the, the tough part as far as measuring play speed versus combine speed. And you have to remember that the tape is usually king with a lot of teams. So they're going to go by what they see on tape. And I think his tape, he plays much faster than what he showed or what he ran at the combine. As you look at the three, are there any others from BYU that you feel like could sneak into this year's draft? Christopher Brooks had a pretty good BYU Pro Day. Caleb Hayes ran a sub-4-3-40 at BYU's Pro Day. They're off the radar, but are there any others, including those two, you feel like could sneak in in the late rounds of the draft? I think Hayes, uh, he's one that I was, yeah, I had an opportunity to see him at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl out in Pasadena, California. And the coaches were really raving about his ability to play inside. Uh, they played him predominantly at slot. He played some outside corner too. So he's one I could see a lot of teams having an interest in. Very physical hitter, very fluid in his backpedal. And he has really good ball skills too. So he's one I could see go, you know, back into the seventh round or even being a priority free agent. Are there any guys uh, looking ahead to next year, a guy like Kingsley Suamata'i and others who are on NFL draft boards uh, perhaps a year from now? So I don't start my 2024 draft prep until June. I take, one draft I take at a time, Jordan. Oh, one, one, one draft <laughs> at a time. There's so many guys that you have to get to. But I heard, um, based on some lists that I've seen, I heard they have a very gifted offensive tackle. So I'm looking forward to studying him this summer. Yeah, it's become a thing at BYU, and I know that there are reputations with certain positions and certain schools, but from your perspective, what's the NFL draft reputation for BYU football as a whole right now? Well, it's been really good. They've been able to churn out some NFL talent over the past few years, and I think this is a program that's really underrated. We've seen them have some glory days over the past few years, but we know the quarterbacks that they have been able to produce, and I know Zach Wilson has struggled during his first few years in New York, but just the quarterbacks that they have produced over time. So it's become a little bit of a quarterback factory. Um, even prior to Zach Wilson, they've been able to put some good names into the league, but there's been a sprinkle of other positions that they've been able to put into the league too. So BYU has produced a ton of NFL talent over the past two decades. Now, Jordan, does what Zach Wilson has encountered in the NFL, does that impact in any way like a team's uh, liking or interest in Jaron Hall? No, not at all. I think you have to use prospect evaluation as a case-by-case basis. And yes, I know there's some teams or some colleges or institutions that specialize in certain positions, but I think that's when you miss out on some players too. Just for an example, some people could have said Texas Tech quarterbacks never pan out in the NFL, but here comes Patrick Mahomes, and now he's the best player in the NFL. (laughs) So you have to use it as a case-by-case basis when you're evaluating these prospects. Late 70s and 80s, uh, BYU's putting out uh, first-team first All-Americans, NFL quarterbacks. We'd like to thank BYU's QBU historically. But when you look at, like, the last decade, is it Alabama or Oklahoma as QBU at this point? Ooh, you put me on the spot with this one. Um, I would have to say Oklahoma just because of the success that they've had. Kyler's had decent success. We saw what Jalen Hurts has been able to do, but I guess – 
both of the schools can can claim Jalen right now. <laughs> but, um, just going, just going with the school that he played at last. So I would go with Oklahoma. Just the success that Lincoln Riley has been able to instill in some of those quarterbacks during his time there, and how they have translated to the league. And yes, I know Baker hasn't turned out as planned when they took him number one overall, but I think they've had more success so far. Jordan, great stuff. We appreciate you spending uh, some of your busy, busy schedule with us to break down the three BYU guys and beyond. And we wish you the best of luck as you push forward to draft coverage. How can fans find more of what you do? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. You can also find me on ESPN Plus, ESPN.com, alongside my colleagues Mel Kuyper Jr., Ty McShay, and also Matt Miller. We have articles, mock drafts, and everything draft-related coming out every single day. Great stuff. Thanks so much for the time, Jordan. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, as always. He says three draft picks for BYU, maybe four with yeah. Caleb Hayes. Yeah, Jordan Reed knows what he's talking about, too. He's kind of emerged as one of the younger guys that kind of complement uh, McShay Kuiper. and uh, Kuiper and so on. So, yeah, fun to have him on the show. I really enjoyed his opinion. Okay, check out game two for BYU baseball against UNC Greensboro tonight, 8 Eastern on the BYU TV, uh, on BYU TV and the, uh, the app. Uh, BYU is going to score 14 runs every game for the rest of eternity. <laughs> They've done it twice this week. Here's the 14 more, and here's the two more <laughs> home runs from Cole Gamble. Had a huge day yesterday. Why, Jerem and I may have played a role in that performance. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation. Well, well, well. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Earlier this week, we discussed our top five impact players uh, transfers, not named Kedon Slovis. That's, we're, he's going to be Kedon now. I don't know why. Did Caleb Etienne make your top five? Not yet. Not, I, I hope he does. Me too. Same. He's like right there. Yes, right on the cusp. I need to know if he's the starting right tackle, then, perhaps. Then maybe. Then maybe. Yeah. Because... You know, as as prominent as we think Paul Miley is going to be as a guard, like tackles are just really, really important on the edges of the offensive line. Yeah. But right now he's he's just off. Like so my my top five stays the same. Vung Pachan was uh, was certainly in there. And, the and greatest I, Laotian Mexican linebacker. I, of all time. I think he's earned that top five spot. We'll see. No one, I hope no Etienne ascends. Right. Is ESPN. that a rhyme on purpose? Etienne sort of ascends. A rhyme? <laughs> it's not really. It's a not rhyme. on purpose. It's, it's like a half run. Yeah. All right, ESPN has released their top 25 men's basketball recruiting class rankings. There are seven Big 12 teams in this top 25. Great news, Spence. Will BYU ever have a top 25 men's basketball recruiting class? Maybe, but I don't really need them to. I, I, I would like a top 50. I think if at some point in BYU's peak, and oh, by the way, adding a nice 2024 piece recently, right? Yeah, um, you know, you bring uh, Elder Chandler back from uh, London, England, and you yeah. add a couple other pieces, boom goes the dynamite. BYU's best ever or most highly touted recruiting class ever was the Lone Peak era. Still waiting for the documentary. With Mika and yeah. Emery and Hawes. Even that wasn't a top 25 recruiting class. And they were all top 100 years. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, I would love BYU to have a top 40 class at some point. That'd be great. At one point, BYU had seven top 100 guys at some point. Sorry, seven four stars on the roster. 
didn't go to the NCAA tournament or win with those that group. It's not always about that recruiting class, right? At BYU specifically. Yesterday, Cole Gamble came on the show and got the BYU Sports Nation karma. Here's uh, what that looked like. I don't know if you know the drill, but when you come on the show, you get BYU Sports Nation karma. Okay, I can't think of a better time to deliver it than right now. That's right, Spence. Uh, then he used it to the tune of not one, but two homers. Yep. Yeah. Gamble is Gamble. gone again. Two home runs today. Back to backs for Gamble. All right, Cole, you started your day on BYU Sports Nation. You're ending it uh, with the post-game interview. Big game for you. Five RBI, couple home runs. Take me through the outing today. Yeah, I'm just trying to get on TV as much as possible. <laughs> is the karma back, baby? Uh, yes. We, we were very specific yesterday. Like, okay, we need to spend an extra amount of time talking about this. And it delivered. It delivered. And like Jimmy off, John's freaky coming fast. Coming off a 15-run loss to Utah, no less. Yeah, that, that was the we worst. We felt too, like Dan. we needed to combine the powers and give it to BYU baseball, and bang. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, he man. I have the karma. He messaged yeah. me last night. He's like, bro, I got that karma. Me working. too, dude. I got it working. I was stoked. Yeah. Congrats. More Cole Gamble. College football home is posted. This is the worst. This picture of this is, Utah no. in blue with Ugh. royal black or royal black with uh, black trim. Are you? We can call that royal black. Royal I like, black? That's a new. I like that. A royal, royal black. black. Yeah. Okay. Are you still disgusted no matter how many times you see this? Yes. <laughs> it is against nature. I feel like I need to take a shower after watching this and confess to my bishop. I hate it. There's nothing that will make it any better. Next. Next. It'll always be gross. Terrible. It will be band day when BYU football plays at Texas in October. This is breaking news. Mm -hmm. um, will this give them an edge? What does this mean, and are you looking forward to this? No, it will not give anybody an edge. <laughs> Yay, band day! I have no idea. I have no idea what this means other than alumni members of the band are going to be coming back to the game. It's to just, perform, it's perhaps? just like the WCC teams in Vegas. Um, we're like, can't yield the student you know, group, so then the alumni show up. In this case, they certainly can. They have a great band. I love the pride of the Wasatch, BYU's marching band. Yeah, oh yeah. And I appreciate oh what marching yeah. bands do. Like, they're incredible. They're great, part of college they're football. incredible. Am I looking forward to that part of the whole festivity specifically? How many French horns is enough French horns is what we've never asked ourselves on this program. I, I can't, I mean, I'm looking forward to the sounds and the ambiance that the bands will create because that's part of the college football atmosphere and experience. Yeah, there'll be plenty of baritones to go around. Don't you worry. Outside of that, whatever. Yeah. Let's play the game. Yeah. Let's play the game. Speaking of Texas and college football, TCU is now offering a keep it purple plan as the only option to purchase single game tickets for home games against BYU and Texas in 2023. <laughs> Santa Clara, is that you? Is this a sign of respect <laughs> or maybe fear on part of the Horn Frogs to make it's, tickets to the BYU game tougher to get? It's not fear. It's absolute respect for Cougar Nation is going to show up. Only one other team, Texas, can do that. So, yeah, no, absolute respect. Absolutely. They get. They know what Brigham about to do. I, I love it. They T know. TCU has experienced what BYU's yeah, fan base can do. Yep. And it's going to be out in full force. The same the Mountain West anymore. This is Big 12. Let's go. Somewhere John Beck and David Nixon are smiling about what happened in 2006 in Dallas-Fort Worth in <laughs> that a, stadium. Been a hot minute. 17 years. Isn't that wild? Gosh, that's we wild. We are not young pups anymore. d Nix with the sack, forced fumble. Let's go. Jeff Ballard. Oh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Ballard. Ballard. Yeah. Yep. 
Up next, a dominating season has oh, led yeah. BYU Rugby to a massive matchup with the predominant power in rugby, Cal. Team captain Ben Austin Let's joins go. the show to discuss what has made the difference for the Cougars turning things around. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Friday. We're in Studio B. We've moved over up, to the Cougar Council Room. Anytime we talk rugby, I'm pumped. Up. Oh yeah. yeah, this this is your jam, dude. I love rugby. This is man. this is your jam. Great sport. You've been doing this for never, a long time. Never even played touch. Fun fact. Just a commentary. You can still love it, though. I can still love It'd it. Be super passionate about yeah, it, yeah. and we're passionate about what BYU rugby has done. Mm. Uh, a little backdrop here: BYU is in a different situation than they were when they were winning multiple national yep. championships. Can't really recruit. You just kind of got to deal with the whoever's with the in guys, school, whoever's in school on campus. And this is the best BYU team since that kind of yes, new era. Things have changed. And in joining us now is number eight and BYU captain of the men's rugby team, Ben Austin. Ben, welcome up, to ben? BYU Sports Nation. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's like a proper mustache, by the way. <laughs> it's you. like, and you look like an eight-man captain. That was, that, was, that was the idea. That was certainly the idea. How are you feeling about it? Let's just, let's just start with this. What's the state of the program like right now? Because as I just mentioned, it's, it's different than the you know, not-so-long-ago glory years. Things, things are tougher now. So what's the state of the program like? How are you able to turn this thing around? Yeah, I've actually been thinking about this question a lot. Um, I grew up watching BYU rugby, tuning into YouTube or BYU TV sports when I could to see their dominant teams of the past play, some of the great players. Um, but coming here as a freshman, uh, we had a new coach, Steve St. Pierre. Uh, questionable character. Questionable character. <laughs> my, old, my old roommate, yeah. <laughs> Love Steve. But uh, it's true, we don't get the same uh, preference anymore to recruit guys or offer any sort of funds in, in forms of scholarship, which makes it a bit challenging when you're trying to put, a, put together a national championship level team. Yeah. And there but, are other schools like Central Washington and Cal and Lindenwood Life that are offering scholarships, exactly. right? Exactly. Many of the yep. teams that we play now do have that access to funding. Yeah. Um, so it's always really fun to beat them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. last week, 6-2-31 at Central Washington. You guys uh, you know, were ranked lower than them, but uh, you know, it was an upset in that regard. But you guys knew you could beat them. Now you match up with Cal, the old rival from 05 to now. team that's won a gajillion national titles. BYU's won a bunch and kind of upset the apple cart in that regard. What's the mindset going into um, a game that you guys played a couple weeks ago? Cal brought kind of a mixed squad. They already knew their playoff seed. But now you got to go to Berkeley and try and take them down for a spot in the national championship game. Oh, we're, we are so excited for this game. Um, we have a lot of guys that, like me, grew up watching the program, and this feels like the moment where we get to finally bring our talents to bear. We have... A lot of guys in our squad who've been around for a couple years now, who felt the sting of defeat yeah. at, at Cal before, and who are extremely motivated to pull this one out, go out there. And we don't think that we're the underdog at all. We think going into this, Cal's just watched us tear apart a few teams, and that we, if anything, are very evenly matched against this team. So we're stoked to get up to to Berkeley and, and see what we can do. Oh, I love it. The captain of BYU men's rugby, Ben Austin, is on BYU Sports Nation. 
What has been the difference this year? Is it experience? Is it a greater passion and desire? You know, locker room? Like, what, what's gone into this, like, ascension of the level of play? So on our starting team this weekend, um, every single player on that team has played for BYU Rugby now for a few seasons. Okay. You so got going all together. into this game, mm. we have a set of players that know how to play, have been with the program for a while, know what this game means, and also have experienced the potential that we have to, to play an awesome form of rugby that's emerging at the end of this season. And I think the difference really has been this group of players. Um, we have a lot of players from Utah. Most of our players are American, which is generally not the case with rugby as it's a very international sport. So it goes to show the effort of Utah rugby and even effort of rugby in the U.S. to put together players that are capable of playing at a high level. We'd like to think that Major League Rugby has contributed to that in some way, but also Utah Rugby obviously has always had a great tradition with Highland. Harriman has emerged as a national champion. United's been awesome for a while. One of those guys out of Harriman, Taysen Hammer, is going to, he's been out for a while with the broken hit. He is back in this game. What kind of difference could he make? It's a huge difference for us. Taysen is one of our best players, very talented. He's been a leader on the team for two two years now. He knows what the expectation is going into this game, and he's also a super dynamic and fun player to watch. He runs hard, he's hard to take down, so him coming in to play for us this week is a big boost for our confidence. And maybe the best name on the team? Tayson Hammer. Tayson Hammer? <laughs> I mean, when your last name's an, like a... Your last name's Hammer and you play rugby? <laughs> Perfect. That's fantastic. Uh, Try score would be the second, you know, to that, but that'd be awesome. Obviously, you know, the Cal game means a little bit more. Longtime rivals in the sport of rugby, but it also would provide you, assuming a victory, a spot in the national championship game. So how do you keep your emotions intact? Because there's a lot that goes into this game. Oh yeah. It's uh it's hard for a lot of us right now since it's finals week at BYU. Yeah, oh yeah, that so too. So we're, we're juggling a few different responsibilities here, and uh, it's hard to sleep at night knowing that you have the opportunity to go play against Cal at home and then potentially go to Houston in a couple weeks and play um, either Navy or Lindenwood in the final. But for me, and I think for many of my teammates, it's a confidence that keeps us together, keeps us ready to play. We've put together a string of great wins. We know how we want to play and we know how we can play. And having that in the back of your mind is it's probably one of the best feelings going into a game. Give us a sense of some of the strengths of this team and what kind of structure has worked for you on the pitch. We are very expansive in the way that we play rugby. We love to move the ball. We love to offload the ball if we're getting tackled. And we have some incredible athletes all across the field. Sometimes I wonder how teams watch film on us because there's so many guys that you have to guard, so many runners that you have to tackle that it feels a bit hopeless to try and keep us from scoring. So going into this game, I know that we can score a lot of points. The question really for us is, is if we can play hard defense to keep Cal from getting into our try zone. Okay, so for those that are gonna be watching this, uh, first of all, how do they find it so that they can cheer on BYU against Cal? And you were number eight, so we'll look for the number eight, but where are you on the field and what are your responsibilities? So the game will be broadcast on the Rugby Network. It's a free broadcasting service. You just have to look up the Rugby Network on Google, make a, 
an account, I believe, and you should be good to go. Okay. The game is Four Eastern, baby. Yep. Four Eastern. It'll be up on there and should be an amazing atmosphere there. But in terms of my responsibilities on the field, I'm kind of the the peace police sometimes. <laughs> Make sure that there's not any fisticuffs going on um, behind the ref's back or in front of the ref. Um, but also, I make a lot of the play calls on the field. So going into a line out or a scrum, I'm in there making a call. So I need to be watching their film, make sure I know where their tendencies are going into the game, watching the way that they move, the way that they flinch even, um, in order to give us the best chance of getting a turnover or taking an advantage of a hole in their defense. I love it. All right, uh, we wish you the best of luck. We're going to give you all the all BYU Sports Nation, Nation karma, karma. and mustard. Go beat Cal, man. This Thank is you. like in the non-Utah rivalries in any sport. This is up there, if not yeah, the most is... fierce. It's always for something that matters. I mean, it, it's it's awesome. Like, I will be watching. Like, yeah, I can't wait to watch you guys compete against uh, Cal. Good luck. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Ben. All right, good luck with finals, too, by the way. Yeah, but... Give them a break, but, instructors! But first, <laughs> rugby. Give them uh, a break! Baseball plays game two. You can listen to that on the BYU Radio app. Tonight, 8 Eastern time, BYU guaranteed to score 14 runs. Again, guaranteed. Up next, the rise and shout-out to something that uh, may have uh, something to deal with what we were just discussing here with uh, our guy Ben. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our question of the day at 24-7 Sports projects BYU football to win six games, one of them against Oklahoma. Would you take that right now? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from... The Woodhaven on Twitter, who says, quote, I would have taken this a month ago, but with the new additions, I'm starting to think BYU can go 7-5. and five. You and me both, Woodhaven. Let's move go. that Texas loss into the win column. Let's go, baby. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Give it to Jerem Jordan. Man, well, men's rugby. Yeah, <laughs> man, not to me, men's rugby. Good luck against Cal. Good luck against Cal. Huge game, national semifinal. Chance to get in the national championship game. You got a long history with that program. Love this. Let's go. Our thanks to today's guest, Jordan Reed of ESPN and Ben Austin of BYU Rugby. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. You would have been a flanker. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Another shout out to Bruce Summerhays. Good luck to the men's golf team. Yeah. Right now. See you tonight for BYU Baseball at 8 Eastern. Go Cougs. 14 runs. You're unique, and so 